Hi everybody and welcome to the Endless Sales Podcast. I hope you're all well who's watching. Delighted to be joined by Anthony and Ross. But first, another new debut from the Jungle Gems, James, has joined us. How are you, buddy? Hi, all good, mate. It's been a been a wee while since I've, I've been on one, but we've got plenty to, to moan about. I just wish it was in better circumstances after back a good performance, but it doesn't look as if we've got one coming anytime soon. Well, to say to be fair, mate, um, these talking points are probably the best to get stuck into right away, do you know what I mean, and, and see what see how it goes. But Anthony Ross, we had our, our Christmas and night out. Also, like me and Anthony were speaking um, in the studio, but saying it's a bit ironic that we had the Celtic Halley shape performance, but we still had a brilliant weekend. I'm knackered. I didn't go home last night at half ten. I'm hanging on by a thread, but how are you used to? Hi. Uh, I'm actually surprisingly not too bad, considering... I had about 11 pints of Guinness yesterday on top of what I had on Saturday. Um, but I'm actually, I, I functioned pretty well at work today and I'm, I'm actually, like, normally you would think I'll be absolutely shattered at this time of night, but I'm, I'm at the peak of my powers, I have to say. He's ready He's ready to get back on and I'll think what about yourself. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie, mate. I'm not quite firing on the same kind of cylinders that Ross is, clearly. But, uh, no, like, like, listen, like you say, it's always great to be back on. But um, I, it's, been, it's an absolute strange one. Like I say, it's been another really poor week on the park for Celtic. But uh, we still had a great night on Saturday, um, <laughs> even in at Celtic Park. So it's, yeah, very, very um, mixed emotions. Yeah, I'm, I suppose I have to get stuck into it. And James, I'll come to you first. Obviously, <laughs> you were you were at the game. Funny enough, you were watching the game beside the stadium. Couldn't make it up, could you? But um, you you were at it. I mean, we always do like an overview on the podcast. It's like a brief summary of what you thought, and then we'll get into the actual talking points. But from your point of view, being there, what was the like? What was the atmosphere like? Just your general thoughts. Just honestly, just in general, I, I thought it was terrible. Um, even prior to Hart scoring the opener. It felt as if the first kind of 10 minutes leading up to it, we could barely string two passes together. I don't think we could be mounted an attack at all. Um, and then obviously Hearts get the goal. Another shambles for a corner. You can take your pick of who you're blaming. Johnson, Scales, Hart, take your pick out A3. Um, obviously, three he did it at the back post. And after that, it, it, as I said, just kind of, before we come on there, the atmosphere turned toxic very, very quickly after that. Um players getting booed, obviously the sarcastic stuff with Joe Hart, which I don't think you can blame the support for. I think some of the ones that he punched, it was actually harder to punch, but nah, just terrible, um, just totally non-existent style of play. We keep hearing about pressing and things like that, but it's just just basically a continuation of the season, and I think for parts of the season, we have ground out results, maybe a wee odd goal here or there, but it just feels as if this has been coming for quite some time, and pretty much can I sleepwalk into it. Yeah, and it's the feeling Ross what I've been saying for weeks that there's just something not quite right within the club from top to bottom. We can't quite put our finger on what it is. Obviously, we'll get into the talking points later. We were watching together. I seen you having mixed emotions, saying things as well on the sofa. But look, I won't say the things I'll say if you say them tonight. But um, <laughs> how, how did you, I mean, how did you feel? I mean, coming away from it, obviously we were on the drink heavily influenced by what we were saying and things like that but I mean it's, a, it's 48 hours after the event it's I'm still feeling a bit shit what about you? Um, it's, it's funny it's a funny feeling I, I don't I'm not as probably up in arms as some people but I mean I have to say during the game I was really angry with, with the performance I never seen 
the Kilmarnock game. So I, I, I can't really comment on whether it's been a continuation for that. But obviously, I watched the, the Feyenoord game and I've heard a, a lot of people say that, that it's got shades and drawn comparisons with the um, COVID season. And I totally understand why people would do that. But I look at the COVID season, I think we, we were losing games at Parkhead. We were losing games... Basically, and then we would go into the European game and we would get turned over heavily, 3-4-0 uh, some games. Uh, but obviously, you didn't see that in the Feyenoord game. People could say Feyenoord obviously didn't have much to play for, neither did Celtic, but you still have to turn up and go and try and win the game. And I think Feyenoord did try and do that. And Celtic played played well in fits and starts in that game. It wasn't the most <clears throat> brilliant performance, but it was a performance where you would say, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't sit here and say that Rogers has lost the dressing room as such. And I think on Saturday as well. I think, listen, it was it was really poor. It wasn't good at all. But there was moments in the game. There was a uh, Kyoga had a chance. I say a chance, sort of half chance when it, I can't remember. It played over the top, and probably last season he gets his foot on it and sticks it away. But he doesn't connect with it this time, and he's. A bit void of, uh, devoid of confidence now. Um, uh, there was another chance in the first half. I think it fell to Palma as well. It was probably about the one and only time we managed to get sort of in behind Hart's back line. And we, we, uh, I, think, I can't mind who played the ball across. I, I really can't. It, was, it came in for the right-hand side. They'd got to the byline by a ball play. It was, it was Kyle got played it across eye and Palma obviously broke to him and then <clears throat> you have to credit Hearts. <clears throat> Excuse me. They got a block in. It was that Kingsley who had scored the free kick. And I think it was actually 2-0 at the time. So, uh, I mean, that's not great. But uh, there was moments in the game and again, there was points that show me that I don't think Rodgers has lost the dressing room as such. But there's... There just doesn't seem to have a plan. There doesn't seem to have a style. And I think the big the big issue for me is the continuity part in terms of right down to what Rogers is saying. I, I think he's contradicting himself at times. He's saying one thing at one point in the season and saying another, like say, at the weekend there. But also you have to take into account, and I'm not making excuses, but you have to take into account that I heard, I think it was Wally said on Friday that we haven't, I don't think Rogers has picked the same team two games in a row. And that probably for me boils down to a lot to do with injuries. I, I don't think that he's been able to play his strongest team that he would like to for our full squad. Uh, and y- you see it, where he picks obviously Matt O'Reilly and Cal McGregor all the time in the middle of the park. But then he's gone between the now because Hattati's been injured for the most of the season. He's gone between home, Bernardo, eh, Turnbull and eh, Awata. Awata. None of them. I have to say, I, I liked what i seen in Awata and he, he's sort of gaming a bit eh, performances. But the other three, I don't think are doing enough to actually nail, nail down the, the spot. So he, he's like playing home and then after a game or a, two games, he's like, I don't like, he's not he's no doing enough. So then he throws Turnbull in in the hope that he'll do enough. Then he doesn't do enough. 
Then he throws in uh, Bernardo for the European games. I, I've liked Bernardo in fits and starts, but again, he's not really doing enough. None of them are doing enough to nail down that spot. It's it's, it's just it's so weird now. I think that you're, I know I'm rambling here. <laughs> I've not been on for a while. <laughs> uh, but I, I think yeah, uh, you asked me about the game and I went off on a tangent, but uh, you've took all my coffee just, to put it back oh, to the front. <laughs> right, listen, I'll just rein it. I'll rein it into now because I'm I'm actually I'm angry, but I'm I'm trying to keep a sort of level head as well and keep a lid on it. But it's difficult to do. And you look at going into the January window, right? But we're, we're all banking mm-hmm. on us, like backing Rogers and throwing money at it. This isn't a throwing the money at it situation. We shouldn't be in a situation where we're going into January and going just spend money. Just throw money at it. There needs to be a plan. There needs to be a bit of like sort of calmness, and, and and that should have been what happened in the summer. And I've been not a defender of the summer window, but I've been one of the ones that, or the the few that want to give the players who have come in a chance to prove themselves. But I think now over the piece, I think it's fair to say that the summer window wasn't what it should have been. And again, we understand that Rogers came in and he has to assess the squad. But you asked me, I've said it before, Stephen, you asked me in the summer, should what do you think we should do in the summer? And I said at the start of the, the window before Rogers came in that I would like us to sign three or four players to enhance the squad. We didn't do that on the face yet. But again, I didn't want to say whether we had or we hadn't because I didn't know nothing about these guys. But over the piece, that that has been a really, really poor, if not terrible, window. Uh, and it's it's you're seeing it in the team and the performances. And that performance on Saturday again, it was. Um, it's, it's, they're they're playing safe, safe football. You know, it's like you, you look at it and it's all in front of hearts. Nobody's taking a gamble. But then you've got your two wingers who can't hit the byline. Mikey Johnson because he's just so void of confidence and he's he's just not good enough. Palmer can't hit the byline because he lacks pace. He's coming inside, but then he's coming inside and we've got Greg Taylor playing the inverted fullback. So you've not got it's all right if you've you've got Palmer coming inside and you've got an overlapping fullback to help him out. But he's he's coming inside and it's showing the deficiencies in his game. It's highlighting it more for me because he's no got that overlap. But then you can't play Greg Taylor as that overlap because he can't do it. He's better with the inverted fullback. There's just the balance of the team right now is, is all wrong and it's playing in yep. to the hands of teams who want to come in and sit in and defend. Credit to Hearts, they got two goals and they're entitled to defend what what they've obviously I was going to say worked for, but they didn't really need to work that hard for it. Um but Aye, it's, it's something needs needs to change and it needs to change quickly. We need to get to this game against Rangers, win their next two games, and then beat them, and then go into the January window and see what we can do for there. But it needs to be measured. It needs to be. It, 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 it's no a matter of going in and throwing money. I think we'll probably see a couple of loans come in, which I don't want. But it might have to come to that, and it, it shouldn't have come to that, and it shouldn't have come to that. But that's that's where we are right now, and it's it's shit. You talk about you talk about getting that off your chest and one go there, Ross. Well done, like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, 
to, to be fair, I do agree with a lot of what you said. Um, we obviously have mixed opinions on, on certain things, which we'll go into during the podcast, I'm sure, yeah. and in the comments as well. But Anthony, I mean, we watched, as I said, watched the game together. You were kind of silent watching the game. I think you were just taking it all in and the shambles that we're actually watching unfold on the pitch. And like Ross said, I mean, Hearts didn't have to work very hard for the goals. But from your own personal point of view, now, regardless, I mean, of the fan base and what they're thinking, of obviously whispers, people going, Rogers out, that type of thing. I know probably none of us here are of that opinion right now. But you can't hide from it. That was an absolute disgrace of a game. And two domestic defeats in a row. If that was under Eleni or Strachan or whoever it may be, there'd be uproar. And we, we can't let Rodgers escape criticism every time this team plays shit, effectively. No, you're, you're, you're right. Every, I think there's everyone has got a, a portion of blame um, to take with this one. The problem is that there's so many different elements of support that are fully blaming one one part of it for some fans it's the it's the board and the board only for some it's the, it's individuals on the board most notably in peter lawwell for some it is you know the snake coming back for leicester and, and all that kind of hyperbole that the other ones it's the it's just been the summer window that's caused everything to come so there's there's all of these factions and it's kind of making a, a sort of perfect well a very imperfect storm as far as we are concerned. Um, you're right. I, I was pretty, pretty muted watching it. I mean, Ross will tell you most of the time I'm a nut job watching Celtic on the telly, so he was probably quite happy to get a bit of peace and quiet. Um, but uh, there's times when it's just like it's so frustrating to watch. And you know, you've been saying it for a couple of weeks now that there's just something not right, and you know, we can't put a finger on it. And I just think at the moment there is something. Well, we can't. It's clear for all to see. There's something very much not right behind the scenes. And we always talk about this singing from the same hymn sheet as what's always been there at our best. And we're, we're absolutely not doing that at the moment. Um, the In terms of the performance on its own on Saturday, it was, it was, it, it really was a mess. I mean, it, it was up there with St. Johnston in the first half. It was up there with Kilmarnock in the second half last week. We almost, it was almost like a, a marriage of the two of them, and then we got one full, awful performance um, on Saturday um, at Home of Hearts. There's just, there's too many big players hiding. There's too many fringe players that are there through circumstances, but for me, not given everything. Um, obviously, he's, Mikey Johnson's been very much called out publicly by Brendan Rodgers um, with the fact that he's got to do more. And it's not just him, but I think he's symbolic of what the, what the issue is at Celtic now. Like we say, of course, in an ideal world, he wouldn't be near the team, but circumstances dictate that he is. We know that he's bereft of confidence. We know that, you know, he's he's not a Sean Maloney or an Aidan McGeady. But it, it is frustrating watching him. It was like, if I knew that I was in very much the last chance saloon in my time at Celtic, even if things weren't coming off for me, I would be at least be seen to, you know, be busting a gut to, to do it. For me, it's very much if the first couple of touches don't go his way, that's that's him. That's he almost switches off for the full game. That's what mm. it at least looks like to me at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's Ross summed up there. It's very, very safe football, um, very predictable football. It's disjointed. It's disorganised. You know, they just they just don't seem to be playing with any kind of fluidity um, that we know that they're all capable of. And it seems to be you now. What, what was always great, um, especially in, in, in Brendan's first term and under Ange as well, it was the fact that 
even if you went a goal down or, or even two goals is what we did on Saturday, there wasn't a sense of, oh, that, that, that's it. It's almost like we're allowing other teams to play their game at the minute and then we'll we'll adjust accordingly to that or not adjust. We, we seem to be running out of ideas really, really quickly at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's it's got to change um, very quickly. As I say, probably the January window can't come quick enough um, or even just the January break to, you know, just kind of take a breather from it for the next um, little while. But in that time, three massive games coming up. I'm actually really glad that there's not a midweek game and hopefully mm-hmm. one way or another we can get everyone get back, you know, going in the one direction. And we've got a home game against Livingston before Christmas. That's a big opportunity. We've got a, a you know best part of a week now. It's a chance to try and knock some heads together and hopefully start putting things right on the park. And you look back to Angie's first season when we lost three, we only won three the first seven games or something like that. And it was after that, that seventh game where Ange says, you know, we've pretty much got to be perfect now to even have a chance to win in the league. We're not quite at that point yet, but it's that similar kind of way that we really can't afford to be dropping any more points. It is going to have to be, it's going to have to be a big turnaround um, in the second half of the season. But we need to get to the midway point first, and before we can, you know, properly assess things. But we're in the eye of a storm at the moment, mate, and it's just important that we try and try and get through it without dropping any more points in this title race. Hopefully, giving it the, another full weeks of training under the belt. <laughs> Remember that excuse? Remember that? He used to use that all the time, but no, I get what you mean. Uh, Ross, Paul McFarlane, is, is Ross sponsored by the Celtic Store Christmas ad? <laughs> uh, actually, this was a gift for you. I'm working on a job now, and the nice couple that I'm working for were away Christmas shopping, and they seen it, and they said, oh, we need to get Ross that. <laughs> so they brought it nice. back in for me. But uh, I'm quite pleased with it. It's a nice wee jammy nice. top. That's <laughs> lovely, and you're rocking really well. And James, you, you spoke about the first goal, and we'll talk about the first goal now. <clears throat> Jed Thomas comes in. What the fuck are we actually doing on the training ground? We're totally devoid of any ideas on how to play. We are now easy to play against. And for me, that corner kick was the epitome of easy. It, 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 when you looked at the replay, Liam Scales and Greg Taylor ended up marking each other. And you, you just don't know how that kind of situation arises. And it seems to be, look, this isn't a Rogers issue. This stems back for years, our inability to, to defend set pieces, our inability to clear the lines. And, and Joe Hart punching balls. we all seen this, punching balls when he shouldn't be punching balls. He's been catching them and things like that. So what do you think we're doing defensively ways on, on the training ground? Because for me, watching that first goal, it was comedy defending. Like, I... It- even just in general, attacking as well, I, I just don't see, there doesn't seem to be any style. Um, I know we all kind of said that in Rodgers' first spell as well, obviously the, the first season, the Invincible season was brilliant, but even in his second season up until he left, there was a kind of steady decline in the style. Um, the, the biggest criticism was it was always kind of sideways and backwards, and it it seems to me as if he's just, he's, he's totally skipped his first season. And he's just went right on to the second season for his first building. Um, I haven't been brave enough to go back and watch the, the highlights um, on sports. Season. I did before we come on. <laughs> so I, I'm just going through, through what I've seen at the game. But it looked as if, I could be wrong, but it looked as if Scales runs square into Welsh and it just leaves, uh, uh, sorry, Scales runs square into Johnson and it just leaves Shankland at the back post. And as you say, it's, it's no surprise. Um, it, it's been an issue for years. I think a large part of it, and I've, I've said it on the Jungle Gym before, 
a large part is we just seem to lack any sort of physicality, mm-hmm. predominantly in the midfield, but realistically through through the full team. Um, I know Ob maybe slightly gives you that up front, but then he's lacking in other areas as well. And I just feel if if we're, if Rogers is so stubborn in the way that he wants to play, and Andrew was stubborn in how he played, but obviously that was that was brilliant. That was a joy to watch. But this is totally different. Whereas when Ange first came in and he, he didn't have the players for his style, you, you could see what he was trying. We might not have been getting the results, obviously, uh, when Hearts bet is at Tynecastle as well, but. We've only getting the results, but you could see a style. You could see what he was going for. And when you're when you're watching us the new, I just don't see like the Aberdeen game a couple of weeks ago, we looked really good. And then like the next two, three weeks now we've we've been terrible and it's that's been the issue for the season. We've maybe looked well for half an hour or forty five minutes here and there, but we've we've never actually shown it kind of long term. And it would genuinely be interesting to see what we actually work on in training because uh, in that first half, I think there was well, obviously under Ange. I, I know it's like fucking talking about your ex that you still you still loving that, but um, but under Ange, everything was was getting in behind, running to the back line and everything, uh, running to the byline. Sorry, but it's just all sideways. And in that first half, what you're saying with the the pass through to Kyogo and then Palmer, the one that's blocked in the line, that was pretty much the only incisive cutting through the lines pass that we made. Yeah. Every, everything else was getting the body Palmer. Get the body, Mikey Johnson, and they were looking up and they were seeing Kyogo in the box. And like, there's not really any point, so it was cutting inside and then just passing it running. It's just been that way all season. Something drastically needs to change. Like you're saying, I'm, I'm not quite in the Rogers out camp yet, but unless there is like a marked improvement, and the squad isn't great, but it, it should still be getting much, much better. Totally agree. Available. Um, but I, I'm not in the Rogers out camp yet, but as I say, I'm no a million miles away from it to be honest yeah and it's it's very strange I think we're speaking like this and you were saying to me as well when we were talking before we all came on you're reading the programme notes from a game after we beat uh, Rangers at Ibrox and it was all full of hope and things for the future and that just feels like it's all kind of collapsed within itself and we were laughing at them at the start of the season with Michael Bale because they were booing their own their, their own players and things like that and it's came, it's came to us really hasn't it in, in a way here but one of the other goals, obviously, of the two was the Kingsley free kick. Now, again, I think it might, might have been you as well, said it was very reminiscent of the Lee Griffiths free kicks at, at Hamden for England. Do you think Joe Hart maybe could have done better? I, I looked at it, obviously, before it came on, and I thought, in my opinion, he was probably a wee bit slow to get over. I, I sometimes think his positioning is wrong because he's way over and he's leaving a massive gap. You, you know what I'm talking about? The finish to the right-hand side. And it wasn't, like, struck with venom. It was just placed. And that, for me, again, is worrying signs. And I've been saying it for months and months, and I know people have been as well, that I just don't think he's quick enough or mobile enough to be a goalkeeper at the top level. And again, contradictory saying this, and he had a great game against Farnham, but he dropped off a cliff against Hearts, and we can't ignore that. I thought his decision-making was horrible. And like we said, he, he could have caught balls, and he didn't. He was punching. And I think the crowd maybe really affected him them sarcastic cheers because maybe he hasn't felt that before people are just getting fed up with this and maybe picking out players to have a go at like Johnson like Hart and he's like whoa I've never experienced this before but at, at the end of the day it's, it, it just wasn't good enough and the free kick I think he should have done better and you, you yourself you're tough on goalkeepers but what did you think about it? I, yeah, yeah he absolutely should have I mean we often speak about that I mean Lee Griffith scored two magnificent goals that day but if you were looking at it from an England point of view, 
I think second one especially you got to expect your goalkeeper to do better. And I think in that you got to get, it's a a great strike for Kingsley. Can't take in away from him certainly. With the distance, I think it was um, quite quite a, a, a fair um, distance out. But Joe Hart's got to be doing better there. But the, as I say, I, I, and yeah, absolutely with the with the, the punching scenario as well, it it, it was becoming ridiculous at one point. You'd look at you, yeah. you know, you're six foot whatever he is, six foot three, six foot four, you know, built like a tank. You know, he should he should be clearing man ball and everything in between in that six yard box. Um, but he just, for whatever reason, his his confidence at the minute is absolutely rock bottom. He seems to be almost a, a, a symbol of how how the seasons went so far in terms, you know, the the, the decline. But he's un, un, unless we that there is an, un, a campaign for Scott Bain that I'm I'm unaware of. He's he's basically what we've got until at least January, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that. If we are strengthening that a goalkeeper's going to be, pardon the pun, a number one priority, I can understand why. But you know, there's a lot of risk to changing your goalkeeper halfway through a season as well. You know, there's we had, you know we've done it in the past, and you know we've, we've varying degrees of success. Um, but there's no two ways about it. He is, um, he, he's, and and a very poor reign of form um, to say to. But he's not the only one. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and Ross, do you think that maybe is an issue? I mean, looking at the two goals, probably the two culprits of the goals were, were Greg Taylor and Joe Hart not being decisive enough. Do you, do you think maybe because they're comfortable knowing that they're number one? In reality, let's be fair, they are, and they're not going to lose that unless there's a drastic run of form where they haven't done anything or have made an impact on the team. And it just feels like, you said it, and it just feels like to me there's players coasting a wee bit. And look, you don't want to accuse that of professional footballers, but at the end of the day, if you're safe in the knowledge, knowing you're going to play week in, week out, you can be, you can be like, fuck, I had a bad game, but I'm going to play next week again. I can rectify that. Do you think that creeps into the mindset when we're seeing these goals be conceded? Because it, in my opinion, two soft goals, in reality, you were right, they didn't have to work hard for them at all. We handed the corner, kick on the plate, and then they scored a free a set piece. Two set pieces we conceded from. Hi. I mean, that could... I mean, you're only you're only guessing with that whether it a bit of <clears throat> sort of as you say coasting just because they know they're going to play the next week. Mm. I don't know if it is that or not, but um, they're just they're just not performing the levels. Rogers isn't getting the best out of the team now. Um, as I say, I, I think the way that Rogers wants to play, he relies a lot on his wingers and. I mean, as I said earlier, Palmer wants to come inside. He's got a great delivery, but he's never going to knock the ball by a guy and run and hit the byline. Rogers wants and needs that. Certainly, the way the team's set up against us, we need we not only does Rogers style need that, but I think we we need that anyway to move teams about and take them into positions that they they don't want to be in, sort of commit defenders. And at the minute. As I said, Palmer comes inside. It's so readable. Mm-hmm. The odd occasion he'll get to the byline if if we get a ball over the top or whatever, but very rarely has he got to take a man on. And as I say, he comes inside. He's not got anybody overlap him. So we've not got the width there. And then you end up coming across the box and it's so easy to defend. On the other side, you've got, you're, you're going with Mikey Johnston now. 
who can he beat a man? He, if he, he probably does it once or twice in a game after that. He, he done it once against Feyenoord. I don't think he done it once in the whole time he was on the field on Saturday. So, they two things are a big, as I say, they're a big thing in the way that we want to play and we need to play against teams who are defending yeah. deep. And I don't even think that with Maeda coming back, I don't think that's essentially his game either, where he'll go and beat a man. He likes to get sort of in behind and get the ball played over the top, which gives us another dimension and that that will help. I think uh, even Abada coming back, you look at it and you go, right, Abada, his numbers are good, he'll, he'll get you a goal and stuff like that. But again, he's not going to run at a defender and take him on and take him into positions where he doesn't want to be. James Forrest would have done it. I don't think he's got it in him anymore. I, I, I really, it's tough to say that. I hate to say this. If we lose the derby at the end of the month, Rogers is a dead man walking. I, I mean, he is. He's already a dead man walking with some sections of the support, Jed. Uh, so I can't disagree with that. He was a dead man walking with some sections of the support when he came back in the door before even the team had kicked the ball. Um, but uh, what was I? I was talking about Sandy and I've lost my train of thought. Mickey, Mickey Johnson uh, and Palmer on the wings. Aye, but aye. So all the wingers then got into James Forrest. Who, he would have done that job in the past. Rogers utilised him doing that, running it, guys, getting to the byline, pop him up with goals. I don't think any of the wingers that we have at our disposal right now are capable of doing what we need them to do in the way Rogers wants to play and, as I say, the, the way the teams defend deep. It was different under Ange because, uh, although we had, like, we were, you had Jota, who obviously can do that, what I'm talking about. But at the same time, we, we were going with Maeda a lot of the time, Abada. But it was working because of the way we played, the speed we played it. And you had guys like Aaron Moy, late runs into the box. And we were getting, we were working the ball better to the byline than what we are right now. And it's everything is in front of the teams. And it's it's, it's so predictable now. And I've, people say that that was what happened towards the end of Rogers' first tenure. And it absolutely did. But you have to say, heading towards the end of Angie's tenure, it started to happen as well, and we lost a few games towards the end of the season. And I was one of the guys that were saying, listen, it will come good, it's just because these games don't really mean anything. On the face of it now, I was probably wrong back then, because we, we played Inverness in the final, and I don't think we were even that great in the final. We, we just mm. beat a team who were nowhere near as good as Celtic. Um, but I... I really don't know. Looking at the looking at the setting goal for me, uh, I, I I agree. I think that Hart Hart has never filled me up. Like I've I've defended Hart. He's a good shot stopper, but in terms of free kicks, I always go back to what you were talking about there. The Lee Griffiths uh, ones for Scotland uh, as as good a free kicks as they were. Joe Hart <laughs> should have done better with them, and he's he's always for me. Whether he gets the position of the wall wrong or himself on the goal line, I always find that he, he, he positions himself too far over. And he maybe would have got away with that earlier in his career. But he certainly can't now because he's not as mobile getting across the goals. And I think that's why he was beaten on Saturday because he started off 
far too far across his goals. It was a good free kick. The boy gets it up and down really well. But like you said, Stephen, <clears throat> it's it's no hot way, pure venom. It's just a really well placed free kick. But again, I'm not making excuses. But for me, it wasn't a free kick in the first place. I think that uh, Carter Vickers won the ball. I, I don't know if he maybe makes contact with the man after that, but he initially, for me, wins the ball. I don't think it's a free kick. Again, I'm not making excuses. There was a... Well, I think we're 2-0 down at the time. We would have been... It was later in the game, I think. A cross comes in, and a Civic, for me, I think it goes to VAR. It looked for all the world handball to me. I don't care what anybody says. If Rangers are down 2-0 at Ibrox, and Civic does that at Ibrox, Rangers are hitting a penalty kick. Where they score it is another story, but they're hitting a penalty kick there because they get that they get that ten times out of ten for me. Um it's we things like that. Uh, people have spoke about uh, was that Alan Morrison saying um what was the phrase he used? a, a period, period of, of assistance. Assi- um, assistance. A, a yeah. period of assistance. It's absolutely bang on uh, that it's a superb way of putting it. Uh, and for me, it's we things like that. Rangers have got as well as they're playing under. Well, they're not even playing that well, but as well as they've done since Clement has come in to go on the run, they've went on and put the pressure on us. And now, well, you'd have to say it looks like they probably will capitalise on our shortcomings in the last few weeks, but they haven't yet. So, I mean, you hold on to that. But I, it's I don't know, man. It's 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 tough. We need to change it. it. It's tough to watch them now, and it has been for. I have to. I have to admit it. It's been tough over the piece for the most part this season. Obviously, you've got your certain games, the Atletico Madrid game where we played really well. We beat Aberdeen six now. We've played well in games, and we've played well for full games, but <clears throat> we've we've not built up a, a real good momentum. Albeit that we were unbeaten in the league. I still don't think we were. We were getting by for the most part, even though we were unbeaten. Uh, we need to do more. Um, but for me, I know people are blaming Rodgers. I am not blaming Rodgers now because I don't think he's been given the tools to... <laughs> I don't think he's been given the tools to play the way he wants to play. He needs, he needs a wee bit more time. He needs the January window and the summer window. And then if we're still watching the same football as we are now and the, the same sort of predictable, safe stuff, then I think if you listen, I know you, you, you maybe will only get that amount of time to get, it, to get it right, but I think he deserves at least another two windows to get the players in that he wants and Celtic have to back him to the best of their ability. Uh, and then if he's still producing the same football we're watching now, then questions have to start being asked. Albeit that if we lose the league this season, we won't get to this point because he'll probably lose his job in the summer or he might even walk away. Mm. Um, but I don't know. But for me, the injuries that we've, we've suffered coupled with the fact that um, Rogers hasn't actually got the signings in that he probably wanted, I think we need to give him a bit of time to get the, the players in that he wants that will suit his style 
because the players right now probably were more suited to the Ange style. They were bought specifically for the Ange style, and we all said that on numerous occasions, certainly in this podcast. So time will tell. We need to have a good January window, but again, I don't want us just throwing money at it. It needs to be measured. There needs to be a plan. It can't just be, right, just sign him, just sign him, get him in loan just for bodies. Because we should never be at that stage. And I don't want us to, to go in and, and act like that in the window because it's not at the desperate, desperation stage just yet. Well, I mean, let, let's talk about Brendan Rodgers uh, now, James. And in, in the comments from what Ross has been saying, people are saying two windows, God help us. Alistair Jacks said that uh, Rodgers said numerous times he picks the players. He said he was happy with recruitment. He said he, the reason he came back, or one of the reasons was the, the upgrade and the recruitment style at the, and you laugh I know that uh, Celtic have at the moment with, with Mark Lawwell or Lawwell there and all the other scouts and data and stuff like that um, <coughs> Ross said we're, we're not a panic stations I don't think it's panic stations but what I think it is is a big dose of wake up and smell the coffee that's that's what I think this is at the moment the situation we're in and Brendan Rodgers isn't exempt from any sort of criti- criticism it's past that stage now where you can be like it's the players or getting used to the system and that type of thing. You were at the game, Anthony goes to the games, we all go to the games and we can see different things, whether it's on TV or live at Parkhead. There's, for me, a lack of cohesion within that team. There's a lack of identity. There's a, a lack of a character from Rogers the way he used to be the first time. One week you get him and he's, he's firing all cylinders and he, he's saying the right things. The next week he totally changes what he says from that press conference to the new one. And it, it doesn't make any sense. His messaging to the players is, we need to bring quality in. But then does that affect the guys who are on the pitch? Do they be, are they questioning whether they're going to be there? And like, why should I try for a manager who might not believe in me or, or want me at the club? And I, like, I, I don't care that it's Rogers. At the end of the day, if, if the results continue the way they're going, questions will be asked. And it needs answered pretty quickly. We can't afford to go three or four league games where we don't win or only pick up a few points, that's not good enough for Celtic Football Club. A defeat's a catastrophe. We all know this. A two defeats is even worse. But what, what, what do you think about Rodgers at the moment and what you're seeing? Well, I, I agree to an extent um, with what Ross was saying there. He, he has not get his own players in. Um, and obviously, the, the players that we've got, as we've kind of spoke about previously, um, guys like Greg Taylor, they're obviously no suited to, to the style that we're playing. But I think that only goes so far. If he had come in, if Rodgers had come in off the back of Ange been sacked, and the, I know the performances weren't great at the end of the season, but taking that in context with the league been won, if he was coming into a poor side and maybe it was a continuation, then every bit of shade would be thrown at the board. Rodgers would mm. essentially be getting a bye. But he's come into a treble winning side that certainly... I think has played some of the best football um, that I've seen um, at Celtic Park in a long, long time. And it feels as if he's took every single thing that was good about us in the last two years, and it's just totally been removed. The the pressing, the, the pace, just all-out attack, it, I, I just feel as if that's totally gone. And it, it isn't all on Rodgers. The board essentially have hung him out to dry. I think every day in January could see the bare minimum a left back a goalkeeper was needed is a, an absolute minimum. Um, so he has been hung out to dry in that regard. But then he sat at the tap table at the AGM and 
he, he's said that he's got the final say. He was happy with the players we brought in. As you were saying, um, at his unveiling press conference, um, Ross Orwell had come in and they, excuse me, sorry, they'd made improvements to to the uh, the recruitment side since he'd been here the first time. But then, as the the performances haven't been great, but we've got the results, and then the results are starting and doing a wee bit, and he's thrown out these comments about quality and things like that. So. He can't have it both ways for me. He either has to... I know he's not going to come out and say, look, I've been hung out to dry with the board, but he didn't need to sit at the top table and say, the recruitment's been brilliant. I'm signing off on all the players. I mean, we're playing... You were saying earlier, Mikey Johnson's in the last chance saloon. Mikey Johnson must be about his 10th pint in the last chance saloon. He's, he's in about his 10th round in there. And it's it's just... Like, we are playing Mikey Johnson over Yang. Granted, he hasn't looked great. And Tilio, who, if you believe what you're reading on Twitter, he's been absolutely rank rotten in training. He's not really shown that in the games. I don't think he's looked horrendous when he's played, but still the point being Mikey Johnson's getting game time ahead of them. So I, I, I don't know. He's, he's kind of changing what he's saying, obviously dependent on the result, but it, it doesn't work both ways. Um, he, he, you can't just blame the board. I think Rodgers has got to carry the can as well. Um, and we've seen it the weekend, and a hundred percent. I wouldn't even say splits opinion. I think the majority would want rid of him. But guys like David Turnbull, I, I actually quite like David Turnbull, and I'm not saying that that he should start every single game. But I think in the squad, there's definitely a place for David Turnbull. I think he's shown it in a few games this season, where he's come off and he's he's scored a uh, sorry, he's come on and he's scored a goal or something. But at the in Saturday there in the first half. And I'm not by any stretching that Turnbull was good. But out the midfield three, Turnbull was the only one that had any form of threat. And it was a shot for distance, obviously, like he is. And it saved by the goalkeeper. And then he subbed him off at half time. And it just felt that that was the that was such a corporate substitution. It was just the easy, easy option. And then obviously we went into the second half. Oh, should have come on when he came on, granted for a wee bit of physicality up front. Mikey Johnson gets subbed off at half time, and how he's last, lasted to half time is is beyond me. That he should have been hooked after about twenty minutes. What was the season. what was the reaction like to him in the stadium? I heard a lot of booing. I don't know if that was for another player, but it seemed like it was all directed towards him. Honestly, the biggest cheer of the day, um, obviously, didn't come out for the second half. The biggest cheer of the day was when Mikey Johnson's name got read out of the tannoy that he was been subbed off. Mikey Cameron probably plays a part of it. But I think, if I'm being honest, I think the bigger cheer was for Mikey Johnson Graf. And then, obviously, going into the second half, and we're talking about about Rogers. I mean, that Burnaby for Palmer, and as much as Palmer was not on it, that that should carry a jail sentence. That is a, a horrendous, horrendous substitution. And then I, I think basically he admitted that he got that rang five minutes later when he's brought on James Forrest. Um, and put Burnaby back to left back. I mean, the guy just doesn't look like a football player, but we knew that. And I seen in the comments as well, we're talking about Mitchell Frame, come on against Feyenoord, looked apart, and then all of a sudden he's back playing against the school bride, I think it was on Saturday. And I don't know, it, it's just it's weird. You could say that you could say the same about you could say the same about Lager Bielka. Where did he go? Aye, exactly. And obviously all they talk about him being at the door and then I seen uh, stuff on Twitter about Navrotsky maybe been at the door in January as well. So I, again, for me, that that falls onto Rogers' shoulders. And as much as I get, they probably won the his players. But he sat and he's defended the recruitment, 
And that's before you even look at the names, obviously, on the recruitment side, the kind of elephant in the room. But just looking at it from a purely footballing point, as, as Rogers is speaking about it, he, he can he say when things are going right and he's getting the results that the recruitment's brilliant, everybody's doing a great job, and then when the results start going and drop them off a wee bit, then it's we need quality, we'll get to January and bring numbers in and things like that. It just... <laughs> I get he's maybe trying to protect players, but I just feel as if he could have went about it a lot, lot better. And I think he, he didn't come in in the best of terms. And obviously when he's come in and it was so glaringly obvious what was needed, and then he's, to an extent, defended the... Well, not even to an extent, he has defended the board. Um, then it leaves a wee bit of a kind of sore taste in the mouth and obviously results uh, haven't helped that either. Yeah, it's, it, and honestly, like... Rogers, to be fair to what James is saying, has defended recruitment time and time again when things are on the up and we got that victory at Ibrox and Atletico Madrid games and, and all that. He says it was brilliant. Com- comes in, one of the reasons he comes back is the recruitment side of things. And then you look at the squad. Like, Larga Bielka is nowhere to be seen. Narovsky's been back from injury for a few weeks now. He hasn't been in any squad. And it's just like, what is actually going on? And to me, from my point of view, looking from the outside in, we have no in- inside knowledge or in the know or whatever that's called. But it just looks like, to me, that some of the squad and so, some of the, the players within it, and I said it previously in the podcast, they're just not giving their all. They're not running that extra yard. They're not pressing that man down quick enough. They're not taking a shot on goal when they shoot. They're playing the simple, easy stuff. And if I'm Rogers looking at that, surely that's easy to rectify by making a tactical switch or formation change, which he seems so against. By the way, what was, I mean, against Hearts, we could have went 3-5-2, do I mean? Done it that way, push more players up the pitch, different things, just to try something. Because it looked like we could, we could have played for another 48 hours and not scored. If we're honest, we, we weren't good enough at all. And like what James and Ross were saying there, Rogers has to be doing better with, with what he has. And people are saying, yeah, Ross, you said two windows. That's fair enough. But he defended the recruitment he got in the summer and he signed off the player. So what makes you confident after he got into January that he's going to be like, boom, boom, him, him and him. They'll come in and improve it. And I totally agree with you, Ross, by the way. And I'll give you this one. We can't just throw money at it. I know I've said do it, but unless there's a plan in place, a plan of action, a player, a specific profile of player that we're after, like Roger said, physicality, we've got fuck all physicality. So I don't know how he thought that recruitment in the summer was a success because that's non-existent throughout the team. He wanted athletic players, again, that both wingers can't take on, take on their man, albeit a bad as I'd injured, who would have been first choice on the right. But you get the sentiments of the support. We can see it as a support base. So you're thinking to yourself, can the coaching team not see it? Yeah, well, I, I, it's one of those ones in the sense that fail, failure has got many fathers. And that's what I keep saying, that Brendan's got to take a, a, a portion of the blame on this one because I would say where he is coming up short so far I mean, from top to bottom, the club's coming up short at the minute. In terms of the, you know, the high, the higher up the echelons of the club, I always feel that at the moment there seems to be a, a sense of we know better. You know, a, a, almost kind of a smug entitlement. Um, where you know, a, a, you know, James was telling us off one bit of criticism and stewards are humping out. You know, you know, taking supporters out of the the ground and, and things like that. There's just no, no need for it. Um, the players have got to do better. Is it, they, they've got to show more effort. Like, whether or not it's the the system that they're not used to, whether it be that some of them aren't too daft on Brendan, it's it's regardless. It should be your own professional pride 
And um, there's far too many of them there, as we've used the term um, coasting um, at the moment. But with, with Brendan Eisele, I do agree with James. There's been a, a lot of mixed messaging um, coming out from him. Like you say, one one moment it's absolutely brilliant and, you know, everyone's going in the same direction. And the next minute, this squad needs quality and, and this, that and the other. And like we say, this is a treble winning team. This was not... You know, he did not take over a team that's in ashes. You know, we, 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 he's taken over a, a winning team. Okay, one or two have, have left, but they left for hefty fees. And, you know, really that more of that should have been spent on, you know, a higher quality player to, to, to come in. I know we, we often speak about, you know, how do we get these, you know, first team ready players? And it is a lot more difficult than I would imagine some might guess. But, Regardless of whether or not he's not he's not been given the, the exact players that he wants or or anything like that, part of his job is also to remember to develop players, and it's something that he's been yeah. well re- renowned for. So if, if if Brendan doesn't think that these guys are are going to cut it, it's still up to him between now and you know when a transfer window opens to get the best out of them in whichever way he sees fit. But you know. So that's where I did mean, you know, I'm a huge defender of him and um, a huge uh, supporter of Brendan Rodgers. But, you know, your eyes don't like you and I know he, he's got to do better as well, definitely. But um, I'm certainly not going to be calling for, for his head or, or, or anything like that. I think I think that's often the problem, especially, especially when it's a game at Celtic Park and especially when it's now back-to-back games that we've lost. Sometimes there's... Criticism of the team's absolutely valid. Criticism of the tactics and the manager's approach is absolutely valid. Criticism of the recruitment is absolutely valid. But what happens is that then it then gets blown up and then it becomes a, you know, for not being against, um, you know, for being against a certain player getting picked or um, being out of form, you suddenly want to bring the whole thing crashing down. And I'm just like, you know, there has to be, there always has to be a bit of balance um, in a debate. And, um, you know, I think not the time for panicking just yet. Um, but, I, you know, I, I accept a lot of the, the support are doing that at the minute. And I accept that I might well be wrong, you know, if, if this keeps up. And then, obviously, if, if things went, you know, massively wrong on the 30th, then, you know, more serious questions will be asked. But by the same point, it's not beyond the what a man to say that Celtic won the next three games and going to the January window ahead. So it's you know it's there's a lot of football. Whatever happens, there's a lot of football still to be played. Um, but we're just we're just going to have to try and get through this as best we can. No, I totally get that. I know what you're saying about the games ahead, but we can only react to what we're seeing now. There's no point predicting what could happen in the future because again, you're right. We could be sitting here in three weeks, four weeks' time saying. A brilliant free games for an top league by another stretch of points again but at the precise moment like Ross said it looks like Rangers are going to take advantage of the situation that Celtic have put themselves in and just before I move on Ross you covered it quite well anyway but on Brendan Rodgers you said two windows and again in the comments is split and there is a lot of people saying they wanted him like love it he wanted uh, Rodgers to do well but he had seen our team a complete shambles and like as well like James nailed it he's come into a treble winning squad and in my opinion, regressed most of the the playing squad. He's improved Malorelli, we know that. Scales, yes. But the the rest of the the team haven't been quite on it. And you're right, we've played maybe two or three games really well, but you have to have that consistency to maintain a title challenge, which we are in. People need to accept that now. 
and getting into January, we, we need, need to improve it. But on the Roger side of things, when for you does pressure come on him? Um, well, I think pressure's already on him, but I don't. I, I'm saying two windows because I, I think that as much as I agree uh, with what James is saying there, um, I'm looking at he's he's had a lot of players not all at the one time, but big players injured at different times. He's not got a bada. He's lost a, a Maeda. He's lost Carter Vickers at times. He's still no fully match fit. He's not got a pre-season under his belt. Uh, he lost uh, at different times of the, the season. Coupled with that, no Jota. Um, Starfelt went. Whatever you want to say about Starfelt, he was part of a really good defensive partnership. Uh, and for the most part, we've had well, definitely not had Starfield and we've, we've not had a fit Carter Vickers. I think you have to take these small things into account. I'm not saying, I'm not making excuses for Rodgers because the football we're still seeing isn't good enough. And I look at it and you talk about the <clears throat> the mixed messages and stuff like that. Rodgers has said in the AGM he, he, he signs off on the players, he, he green lights them. That's fair enough. Uh, and he's, he's obviously saying that he has green-lighted all the guys that's come in. And when they first came in, he's, for all the world, probably only seen videos of these guys. So, like what I was saying, I'm not willing to make a, a judgment on these guys until I've seen them playing for Celtic at that at that stage. Rogers is saying he has to say he's happy with it because he's essentially green-lighted them. Um, but then, also... You look at it and you go, well, he's going to say that because he he needs he. This is the players he's got until January, so he needs these guys to go to the well for him, if you like. And it started off okay, it's but it's it's not been. It's obviously in recent times not been great. But then I look at that and go, well, is that off the back of when Rogers started to change his tune? We never got the, the, the wins that we wanted in the Champions League, albeit we got close at times. And then he started to say we need to we need quality. And I'm like, it's it's the that's the mixed signals, but he's sort of for me then I think I said about two or three weeks ago after the St Johnston game that I th- I felt like the first half performance was off the back of him consistently going on about at that stage we need quality and I'm thinking well he's now got these players who he brought he essentially green lighted and he he said he wanted these guys now they're walking about going well does he think I'm not quality and the modern day player if they think that the the manager doesn't like them they're not going to sort of perform it doesn't matter about their personal pride they'll just not play for them but Again, I'm, I'm not saying that he's lost the dressing room, but that sort of thing. But then I look at it as well, and I'm like, well, it's getting closer to the very window. So is he changing the narrative to try and force the board's hand in January to go mm. harder than what they did for him in the summer? Do you know what I mean? As much as the mixed signals, it's not great. I think he's sort of... I don't know if it's a tactic, as I say, to get the board, to force the board's hand in January. But listen, it's all, I'm only surmising, do you know what I mean? But 
I don't know. It's it's very weird. It's it's a different Brendan Rodgers for yeah. what we were used to before. And I, I really don't know what what his angle is at the minute, but it, something needs to give. But I, I, I would have to say that I think the, the changing narrative is because he wants to force the board's hand. But I don't know if he's went just that wee bit too early with changing the narrative because there was still a lot of football to play before we get to January and then the board can start doing what he's asking. And and, and in that sort of window for where he started talking about quality, you've seen uh, the sort of the, the, the drop off in performance and results for when he, he started talking about that. And I don't know if there's a lot of players going... He doesn't want me. I'm probably going to be out the door. I'm just in the door and signed a mm. big contract and now I'm going to get loaned out. So why should I bother my arse? And I'll just wait until I get to January and get out. And I, I don't know if that's maybe partly why there's been a sort of downturn in results. But again, it's it's just guesswork. It's, it's only an opinion. It's no right. It's no wrong. Yeah, again, it, it is all opinions because I think the only one on the podcast he has that narrative in terms of what you think, which is a good angle to look at it. Other people are looking at it going, he, he, he's brought the, the confidence levels of the players we have down. That's the, the, the result of the, the recent drop-off in form at James. And, and Paul McFarlane, I come in here, Mike, coming in was sack the board, back the team. Every season, ticket holders should protest outside the stadium before entering the stadium to cheer on the hoops. Now, you were at the game, and we spoke a wee bit about while we were off. What was it like? Because obviously on the on the TV, what we were watching on, you can only hear wee snippets of it, and then people are saying it was a handful of people were joining in with the chance, and then the fellow who got kicked out of the main stand for having to go up Michael Nicholson. And this this for me shows the kind of disconnect between fans, the board, the management. And Rogers spoke about this when he first came in the first time. What was it, the Holy Trinity? He doesn't have one. Of, he doesn't have even one of them going for him at the moment. And having the fans doing this, and look. By the way, I'm on board with it because the board, for me, fell asleep at the wheel yet again and left us in the shit and letting a crap ranger side catch up with us and that should never be the case. So I agree with the frustrations and about time some of the fans, apart from the Green Brigade, let the support know about it, let the board know about it. But what was it like inside the stadium? I must admit, um, the sack the board and then the, the Lobo uh, kind of chant, that did take me a wee bit by surprise. I'm not saying I disagree with it, I absolutely agree with it, but I'm just surprised it's actually came so soon, really. Um, but then I think that shows, uh, yet again, everybody can see the glaring issues, apart from the ones that actually really need to see it. Um, like I said in January, a goalkeeper on the left-back was the, the absolute bare minimum we never signed either. Um Obviously, performances in the downturn will only highlight it further, especially with the goals we conceded on Saturday. But it, it was the majority of the stadium. Um, and I know you hear about this kind of spoiled generation of supporters and everything, but it, it genuinely was everything. And um, I, I moved seat in the sector off, I got and sit with, with a guy I know, and he, he's of an older vintage, shall we say, but um, he, he was he was bang with it as well. Um, and it, it, it just feels blindingly obvious. And if you look back even, no, even a year ago, less than a year ago, and the position that we were sitting in, um, I think there was a genuine feel-good factor. Obviously, uh, Ange leaving is a wee kind of speed bump in that. But Rogers, as much as he was not top of my list, he, he, he isn't by any stretch the worst appointment possible. Um, and 
as I say, sitting a year ago, it genuinely did feel we were in a position of strength with the Champions League money. The money was there with a great manager, and it, it, it genuinely felt different. It felt as if we were only going to shoot ourselves in the foot this time. It felt as if we would kick on. Um, we heard Postecoglou after the Champions League games last year speaking about learning from it, getting quality in for the, the next go at it. Um, obviously, as I say, he goes in the summer, but th- there still isn't any reason that we couldn't really kick on and, and have a proper go at it. And I, I know we're kind of having a wee go at Rodgers as well. I think our best performances this year have probably came in, in Europe. You could probably argue that Rodgers sets us up better to play in Europe than, than Ange did. So mm. e- even with, with Ange gone and Rodgers coming in, that really shouldn't have been any cause for a kind of change in direction at boardroom level. Um, they've sat and had a backpacking session at the AGM telling us about how much money we've got. But surely they can't be that tone deaf just to see that that is further going to add to frustration. Um, but I, that, I think that's it in a nutshell. And that's before you're even looking at, well, obviously, the Green Brigade situation. And if I'm being honest, I don't think the Green Brigade have maybe the universal support that they, they once had in the stadium. I think they do kind of split opinion a wee bit more than maybe they would have at one point. But regardless of what you what you think of them, I think they, they need to come back because that, that was absolute poison on Saturday. Arguably rightly so, but I'm really surprised at just how quickly it's came about. Um, but even out with that, the, the atmosphere, obviously I'm sure you as well know yourselves, it, it, it's not been great since they've been away. Mm. Um, the Feyenoord game, obviously after we get the goal, was brilliant. But it, it I know it was a deep drubber and that plays into it. But it's just it's not been a great atmosphere um, without them. So I think it's been going on long enough now. The situation with them and the board, I think they need to get it sorted and just basically get them back in, regardless of whether you whether you agree with them or no. I think they need to be there, and I think them no being there has just highlighted how much they're needed. Yeah, I think Ross as well, like what James said, and even Jed here as well, it was young and old who were singing Sack the Board. And I, I don't know if the Celtic Board's reason, and obviously it's totally different to what we're speaking about right now, but the people who you think would start at them chance weren't in the stadium or weren't involved. And it kind of escalated from probably someone saying it and then it's just kind of followed around the stadium. And I think we were speaking on Saturday night about it and Franny was like, it was only a handful of people. But to have James, who was at the, the stadium, and Jed as well, kind of confirming it was everybody. Does that surprise you a bit? Um, no, no, really, no, because I think um, uh, there's there's a large section of support. Well, I think there's a large section of support that have said they've forgiven Brendan Rodgers when subconsciously they actually have not. And the minute results have started taking a downturn, it's that that's coming to fruition that they have not eh, forgiven him. There's absolutely and listen. I'm no. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not defending Rodgers. It's it's not just Rodgers' fault. Rodgers should be getting mayor out of the team. The board should have uh, done more uh, in the, the summer. Rodgers has come out and said that he, he was happy with the summer window. I, I didn't believe it, uh, that he, what he was saying. I, I was convincing myself that the summer window was good. But I also didn't want to, as I've said before, I didn't want to judge these guys on not seeing them kick a ball in anger, I don't think it was fair. I was being a bit more reasonable, but um, uh, it doesn't surprise me that they they chance have started coming because there's been 
unrest with the board for a large section of the, the fan base for a, even before Rodgers came in and it was sort of probably for the um, like say the Covid season it's, it stemmed for but then obviously we had that two year period where Alan just come in and it looked for all the world like we were acting like a big club uh, mm-hmm. I have to say that probably after that first window where Ange says I, I need to do more to like obviously because I wasn't getting my message across uh, and he, he didn't get the business done that he wanted in his, the first window but then whatever Ange has done and said the board have went and backed him uh, and gave him what he wanted um, probably what I would say is Ange what Ange was asking for probably won't be at the same level as what R- Brendan Rodgers will be asking for. Um, but, listen, Ange took us to a point and I think he would have like kept buildings if he'd stayed and kept getting us stronger. And I think Rodgers just needed to come in and continue that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things went against him, but we, we need to... It, it, it's on... It's on Rogers, as I say, but it's also on the board for that last window because they've done what they, as everybody says, they've reverted back to tight now that Angie's away. Rogers has obviously come in and no put enough pressure on them to, to bring in the guys that he wanted. I think he's he's been busy assessing the squad and just going right, okay, that, that we'll we'll have this guy in. He looks good, but th- that's why I say he probably needs one or two windows more. Because now that he's in and he knows, he, Rogers will know fully what he needs. Because he, he said in the summer he, he'd watched the team and he knew what he needed and stuff like that. I don't fully believe that. Do you know what I mean? I, I think he has watched the team no, at times, but uh, hey, no, he, he didn't watch it like we watched them. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't uh, watching it week in, week out because he was he was a manager at Leicester and trying to steady a ship there. Uh, so he wasn't watching his week in, week out, not to the level that a fan does. Um, Listen, it's a culmination of a lot of things, and these things need to be put right. But it's not only it's. Listen, I know we're talking about the sack the board chance. It's not on Brendan Rodgers. It's not just on the board, but it's a culmination. Uh, and it, it didn't it, to answer your question. It, I wasn't surprised by it because it's stemming for the COVID season, and then we had that period with Ange where it sort of papered over the cracks of the board. What the board were doing uh, and now they've sort of reverted back to type and uh, after that summer window that that sort of ineptness and that lack of ambition is coming to the fore again and it, it, it needs to change I don't know if mm-hmm. sacking the board is the answer or the board just doing what needs to be done and backing the manager that they've made the highest paid in our history What's the point in bringing him in and making him the highest paid manager in our history if you're not going to give him the fucking tools to do the job? So exactly. it needs to it needs to change and it needes to change starting in January. Yeah, I totally agree. And see, to be honest with you, that kind of sums it up. What's the point of bringing a manager in has paid and you don't give him the funds or what he needs to be successful at the club? And after he kind of rounded off here, Graham Bell comes in. We want the atmosphere to return, and that means getting the Green Brigade back. However, the GB need to transfer and stop getting the club fined, the fever of the brigade. And kind of added to that as well, you spoke about 
the the fellow who was in the main stand and getting and getting turfed out. So I'm guessing you're for people voicing their opinions. And what 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 is poisonous about what James rightly said? That atmosphere is the main culprits who you thought it would start didn't. They weren't there. It was started just organically. And the fact is, an everyday normal Celtic fan with no affiliation to clubs or or ultras groups is is starting to seep out that frustration that we've all been feeling for quite a while. And Ross said there, what's the answer? Not is the answer to sack the board. He doesn't know. The reason why I'm so for sacking the board is this board has been in place for years and years and years. You need fresh ideas, no matter what walk of life you work in, whether it's sales, whether it's management, whatever. Something changes, you get a fresh kind of opinion, that type of thing to make it move forward. We haven't had that. We had the one kind of Saxon with Dominic Mackay. It lasted about eight days and, and two minutes, and then he was out the door. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's the same old people, the same old Chris Mackay, Peter Lowell, Mark Lowell, Ross Desmond, Dermot Desmond, all these guys, just people who've just been at the club for years and years and years, and there's no kind of forward thinking. And we're talking about all the money we have in the bank, and Ross is bang on. Give Rogers the tools to succeed and you won't get this atmosphere from the stands because we can all see it. And in my opinion, the majority of the fan base does think the Celtic board don't give a shit. There's all, you know, Ross has said, you know, it maybe stems back to the, you know, the COVID season. And and I totally get the, the point he's making on that. Although I would long argue that it, it goes back, you know, 50, you know, 25, 30 years to around the time when Fergus actually took over. You think of the old days of the Grants and the, the Kellys and what they, you know, the club nearly literally went to, to ruin because of the, the mismanagement of the, the previous board. We obviously had a guy um, so far ahead of his time, it wasn't funny, that came in and, and, and saved uh, Celtic quite literally. Um, but there will always be that level of district. Like you say, it's record profits at the minute, five trebles in seven years and everything else um, that, 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 you know, everything else that comes with that. And in their eyes, they will always say, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. Um, there'll always be that level of distrust. Well, it's, it, the reason there's that level of distrust is because this club means so much to, to so many people. And if they ever, yeah. and if they, they see or, or if they perceive that the people that are placed with the, the trust of running it are not doing it to the best of their ability and are treating it as some sort of family heirloom plaything. Then, then people are very naturally going to going to you know push back against that in and in, um, in a variety of different ways. I, listen, it's it's a catchy chant that rhymes off the tongue quite quite well, and of course we you know from the nineties proved very effective. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't people singing sack the board that sacked the board in the 90s. The board was sacked because in Fergus McCann and all the consortium that he led, it was a forward-thinking business plan to rebuild a stadium, rebuild a team, drag the club up, you know, to share issues and, and, and all of that. He created the, the sort of season ticket, you know, kind of culture that created that revenue that was able to, you know, then attract players into a, you know, a less attractive environment, as at least in terms of Scottish football. But that was a completely different time. And if there's another Fergus McCann out there or somebody like him, then that's wanting to invest and and you know, change things for the better. Then by all means, at that point, I'll 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 get a megaphone and and start chanting start chant like the board. But the problem is, you know, you. When you get these, you know, 
sack the board things, but there's no plan. It's like, okay, well, if we sack the board tomorrow, what's 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 the plan? And that is usually, and it's the exact same, you know, everyone you know, says about me with the, you know, the, the, the team that I, I, I like in England, Man United's the same. Every time that something goes even, and, and listen, I'm not saying that they are the, by any stretch of the imagination the best owners, but the minute something goes wrong, everything's a Glazer's fault. Every single thing in the world is the Glazer's fault. And you're like, it can't all be the Glazer's fault. And I feel sometimes it's just, and, and you know, they want the Glazer's out. They want the Glazer's out, but there's no there's no plan in place for taking over. And that's where I, that's why I'd, I'd, if I'd have been at the game on Saturday, I'd, you know, I'd have been pissed off as, as, you know, as much as the rest of them. But I feel it's a bit of a wasted energy because until we get an actual plan to, you know, to, to say, right, put our faith in this guy, he's going to come in with a consortium and, you know, change things, then that's different. Sacking the board with no plan in place is, well, madness, for want of a better word. As much as, and that's not me defending them, but I just think, you know, you got to, people, you got to live in the real world at times as well. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying there. But again, you have to understand the frustrations. And I know you're saying it's, oh, it's yeah. a catchy chant and it's fine. But the thing that really frustrates me, and, and you're like, what's the plan, right? That That's fair enough. I get that. Obviously, you don't want things happening with no plan in place or no people to replace these guys or, or girls, whoever it may be in the boardroom. It's just a lack of forward thinking. It's the lack of uh, like just being imaginative, ideas going forward. And I know we've got the feeder club now and the Austrian uh, a second tier, that that's good. That's that's forward planning in case they have players we can pick and they can they can take our players on them, which they have. But there needs to be more of that in my opinion, James. There needs to be more kind of I know we're never going to compete with the, the big dogs in Europe with money, uh, with revenue streams, with T V deals. But we have to take advantage of what we have. What we have at the moment is over seventy million pounds in the bank. What we have is record profits profits. What we have is we're building a brand new state of the art training facility. All well and good. But you can't neglect the playing squad. You can't neglect what's on the pitch. And then that seeps into the stands. The players can feel the frustration. Some players are going to hide under that kind of environment and be intimidated by the atmosphere. And we all made a laugh, the joke, in previous years about Sevco always struggling to play at home because of the pressure they felt. And you can see it 100%. They, they, they totally wiltered under that pressure. I'm not saying for a second we will. But I'm saying it's poisonous for that atmosphere to feed on to the players because you want a positive playing environment. And if you're getting stuff like that towards the end of the game, middle of the game or start of the game, it's, it's just not good. I, I get it to a point. Um, but then at the same time, the, the players are partly responsible for creating that atmosphere to an extent. Um, with, with the sack the board chance, I, I think that's just more born out of kind of frustration. It just mm. seems to be like kind of sheer kind of nepotism, really, um, at boardroom level. Um, like, I know we've we've no kind of spoke about it in as such. We we um, Mark Lovell, sorry, coming. I was going to say Ross Desmond. There, he'll probably be the next <laughs> one in the line for the job. Um, but with Mark Lovell coming in, um, I mean, uh, I, I was actually talking about this earlier. Remember when we had obviously we were linked to Eddie Howe for all these weeks, and then it, it was apparently very close to being done. And the holding point was Eddie Howe wanted to bring in his own director of football that he'd worked with at Bournemouth. I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Richard something, but his name escapes me. But then Ange came in. The As soon as we started winning games, the director of football chat just get put to the one side. 
Um, obviously, we, we signed well in the first summer and we were playing some nice stuff. Then Mark Lowell came in, kind of get snuck in the back door, essentially. I'd love to know who he'd be at the interview stage, if there ever was an interview stage, which uh, is a discussion in itself. But um, I think we all know why Mark Lowell got that job. I think it's fairly obvious to see, and it kind of coincided with something else happening at the club with the name of Lowell returning as well. Um and then at the, I, I can't remember if it was at the AGM or just after it, um, they were asked a question about Mark Lowell. And the reason they said that Mark Lowell was at the club is it was Ange Postecoglou's pick. Ange wanted them because they'd worked together at the City Group. So my question to the board would be, why was Eddie Howe not able to pick his own? I know he's no director of football, but it's essentially the same role. Why was Eddie Howe not able to pick his own man, but then allegedly... Ange Postecoglou, it was absolutely fine for him to pick his own man, but his own man just so happened to have the surname Lowell and have the the obvious connections to the City Group, and I think I, I don't think they'd be able to answer it. As, as we've said, I think Andy's kidding herself on if they think there's been a recruitment process um, before Mark no, Lowell got that job. I mean, you've got Peter Lowell coming out and saying that he's chucked other CVs in the bin um, after the. Scottish Cup final with Hearts when Lennon get the job, so it it's almost like they they parade the kind of slackness really of of how they operate. It's just it's just so so poor. And then uh, Ross De- uh, sorry Dermot Desmond was it Ross Desmond was asked the question and he said that um, when Dermot Desmond leaves or if he, whatever happens, basically to get him out the door, the shares will just pass on to Ross Desmond and he'll carry on the legacy type thing and it's like if, if we've seen anything to be positive about at all and I know this is where the whole kind of spoiled thing comes into it but if you look at boardroom level there was supposedly this kind of um, revamp after the COVID season and I'd say that previously it, yeah there, there was a revamp and like you said um, Dominic Mackay came in for oh, two minutes and then was at the door for one reason or another. But this revamp, it, it was rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. It was just the same faces in different places. And that's the way it's been for God knows how long. And it's not even just in the boardroom, to be fair. I mean, if you look through the club, it's amazing the amount of times, even Rogers to an extent, the amount of times we've got the... We've already got the manager's phone number on speed dial, be it Lennon, Rogers, whoever you want to pick. And then coaches coming in, uh, sorry, ex-players coming in as coaches, guys like Kennedy, Gavin Stratton, I know he's not an ex-player, but obviously carrying the Stratton surname, and it's just it's sheer, sheer, sheer laziness from top to bottom, I mean we keep talking about, well the board keep talking about um, kind of aspiring to be clubs like Ajax, Benfica, kind of that level of club, you can't tell me that's how clubs at that level operate it, it's just sheer sound bites and I get the sack the board stuff a hundred percent. if we sack the board the more, where do we go from there? But it's just I think it's just both totally out of frustration and as I say, it's just it's almost an ignorance that the board have got to the fans. And obviously it's all coming to the fore now. And I think the next three games, if we don't pick up nine points going into the January window. I think if it was poisonous at the weekend, I'd hate to see how it is in January if we don't pick up nine points in the next three games. Well, hopefully we aren't there when we get that get it get to that stage. Anyway, hopefully it's what Anthony said. We we'll win the three games and we're on a good kind of run of form going into the break and the, the January transfer window. But that kind of 
rounds off the the podcast as a holder. I know some of us are still feeling the effects on the weekend. And and James, it was brilliant to have you on, buddy. It was great to get 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 the chat to you as well. But have you enjoyed this one? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, no, I think we'll put in a mammoth effort after the events this Saturday night. Um, I, I, I'll answer Andrew, to be fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been good. And we'll be back again, Fred. Obviously, discuss the weekend's game. Livingston, believe, at home, isn't it? We'll have them yeah, coming up right. next, so we'll be discussing that. And until then, everybody, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.